Hey everybody, this is Chad Daniels. Just wanted to let you guys know that I am going to be in Rochester, Minnesota at the State Fair with my buddy Tom Segura, July 23rd. That's going to be a fun show. It's going to be outdoors. Uh, I'm going to eat so many funnel cakes. Uh, you have no idea. I'm also going to be in Austin, Texas at Cap City Comedy Club, July 24th through the 27th. Ooh, and... Listeners, hey guys, my name's Cy Amundsen, and I just wanted to say that my back hurts, but it doesn't hurt enough for me to tell you a couple things. Uh, we have some Uncle Ronnie t-shirts here, and I really hope you buy them. They're so nice, and they're made of, like, really soft stuff that doesn't hurt my skin. Sometimes t-shirts hurt my skin because I'm Cy Amundsen, and I don't like the t-shirts that are tough. I don't like them. So anyways, um, we have some Uncle Ronnie soft t-shirts, and they're so nice, and thank you guys so much for listening. And if you want to tell your friends, you can tell them about the podcast and that my back hurts, just so they know. Let's start a prayer circle for my back. It'll be fine. <laughs> a fucking twat. Hey, guys. My name's Cy. Let's start the show. Hey, everybody, this is Chad Daniels. Across from me is Cy Amundsen. Hello. And in the corner, of course, is Hey Bales. Hey Bales. And you are listening to The Middle of Somewhere. Yes. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to say, you know, we talk about Hey Bales, and we gave him a nickname, and we always tell you he's in the corner. But I also wanted to say, so talented, so good at what he does, and uh, we're both very thankful that you're on our team. Yeah, and we know you're going to get out of that corner. That's what worries both of us. So talented. You can't keep hay bales in the corner. But you can shackle him. Mm -hmm. And we'll shackle uh, the shit out of him. With, without a doubt. Let's shackle the shit out of him. Hey, you remember uh, maybe an episode or two ago when we were talking about Uncle Ronnie and people shouting it during your shows? Yeah. And I made that joke like, hey, in four months, we're going to be like, guys, stop it. Yeah. Uh, well, it's already four months because I... <laughs> I was doing a charity event, a short set for a friend of mine at a charity event for St. Jude's Children's Cancer Research. And I mean, obviously, that's not the funny part. No, but, it, okay. I, you know, so I, I go up, I, they, they announce me and I go up and it was set up really well for comedy to succeed. You know, sometimes those things aren't. But as they call my name, just somebody in the crowd just goes, Help! Uncle Ronnie. And I was like, that is not the place for this, man. That's <laughs> it's it's like when you go to a graduation and they tell everybody in the crowd, like, just be respectful of all the graduates in the audience. And you see all these like dads and suits and shit that their kid gets announced, like, oh, good job, Tina. And then they're like, and next up, Jake Thomas. And some guy in a fucking Brooks and Dunn cutoff t-shirt with long hair goes, <laughs> Fuck yeah, Jake! 
fuck yeah. That's that's how it felt. I was like, this isn't the place for the Uncle Ronnie behavior. It's always a family that looks like they all came in the back of a pickup. They just go absolutely crazy when they're like, all right, uh, let's just hold our applause until the end. And this, you can see the family like looking at each other like, we ain't going to do that. It's so great. Daddy taught you better than that. When Trish crosses that stage, you karate chop that fella and we're gonna do laps oh it's so fantastic yeah man well i got uh so listen to me so uh not listen to me i love how i was like listen to me chad time speak now uh listen to this i go in yesterday to a loan officer because i'm looking for a lake cabin because i figure why not wake up around water if you live in the land of ten thousand lakes totally agree So I go into the loan officer and he's pulling up my credit report and he goes, wow, I can't believe uh, your credit score is great for a comedian. This has to be the best one. It's even great for bankers. I mean, really giving it to me. So we go down the list of everything that's on my credit report and he goes, oh, this American Express has $12,783 on it. And I go, huh, that doesn't seem right because I pay myself off. And he goes, uh, and they're, it says they're only making minimum payments. Oh. And so I, I look at the number, and it's not mine, because I know the last five of both my Amex cards. Yeah. And uh, I go, well, that's not mine, and I pay my credit card off every month. So this is, you know, I'm re- alert. Yes. Uh, so he just peers. He's got readers on, right, because he's looking at these reports. And he looks up over his reading glasses and just goes, Uncle Ronnie? <laughs> <laughs> and, and i was like hey man this is not the time someone has someone has spent twelve thousand dollars of my money and uh i was a little nervous about it and he just it was so great also do you do you think it's your dad i mean I he know. has a pattern that's the that- first place my brain went that's what a lot of people have asked me that I've told them about this. They were like, oh, Steve lives. Yeah. And he's he's done it again. <laughs> maybe maybe he listens to the podcast and he's like, oh, haven't asked you for money, huh? That's because I'm racking up debt under your name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were telling me when we were texting uh, to transition out of Uncle Ronnie that you, speaking of being on stage, got really cut down uh, for assuming something in Canada. Oh, yeah. So after I told the story, you know, several episodes ago about being in Calgary at that hotel where I got the people came to. Yeah. The guys came looking for me. Uh, one of my buddies texted me and was like, do you remember this? And I was like, of course I do. So I, I was on stage and I was, you know, at, at one point in my show, when I'm not having fun, I will just attack the crowd. You know that. <laughs> I go I've into the seen crowd a lot of times, and I start making fun of everything about their lives. And the people that have good senses of humor, they will laugh about it. And the people that don't, you know, really shut down. So, I was talking about how the Queen would be so disappointed in Calgary. She's probably trying to sell it off to some other kingdom or whatever. Yeah. And I get off stage, and the MC goes up, and he's like. Oh, look at this stupid ass American. He thinks we have a queen. What a fucking idiot. Hey, 
Chad, why don't you do a little research before you come to our country and, and he's saying on this it. into the mic after into your the set? Mic after the show. This is how he takes me off stage. Oh. So he's like, what a piece of shit. Has no clue. Typical American comes up here without any research. So sick of America. All this shit, right? <laughs> so I am deflated. <laughs> I mean, I am like, it's ridiculous. So I go up to my room, no Wi-Fi, <laughs> which is to be expected. <laughs> The next day, I walk three miles to a public library and do a ton of research. And it turns out that Canada does have a queen, but only in the way that they signed like a, uh, I don't even know what it would be. It's not a treaty, but they signed something saying that the queen would always represent Canada, right? Okay. So. So there, there technically is a queen. They have the queen's highway there. And so the next night I go on stage, I do my set. I don't mention it. And I say, good night. The guy comes up and then I grab the mic again before he can grab it. And I go, I'm glad you're up here. I have a couple of things I'd like to tell you. And I printed out all these, <laughs> all these facts about the queen. And I go, so last night I said this, and then you said this. So you were ripping on me, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, yeah, and I stand by. It was so ridiculous having to listen to that. He's it's still intense, right? And this guy's older than me. Oh, I was just going to say, he, I, I was picturing him as being like 22. No, no, no. He's older. He was older than I am at this point. He's like 45, part of a sketch group, but they weren't there. So I, he was doing stand-up. My favorite guys in comedy are 45-year-old MCs. <laughs> so... Uh, I read all of these things. I read about, you know, whatever they signed, the the agreement that they were going to, the queen would represent Canada, blah, blah, blah. And he's just sitting there looking at me like, oh my God, why would you do something like this? But I was like, I felt beat down. I felt so dumb after this. And I go, I don't think I'm that dumb. So I, so I print all this stuff out. Then uh, I... I give him back the mic and he's just kind of like sitting there going, uh, and I walk back up and you know how their money's like kind of plasticky. Yes. I licked a $20 bill and stuck it on his forehead and I go, she's on your fucking money, idiot. And then walked off stage. <laughs> it was so anyways, like Calgary hasn't been a great city for me. <laughs> That's <laughs> Like, that's almost something you could press charges for. Yeah, I don't lose or win well. No, no, you don't. That is just, that's been proven over and over again. Uh, in in a, a weird coincidence, my least favorite MC I'd ever worked with at the time is also from Canada. I Dif love what you said at the time. Because <laughs> here's the thing, I was wrong. I was wrong to dislike this guy. And it's, there's, there's a reason that I disliked him and it has nothing to do with him. So, uh, it's, have you done Rick Bronson's club in Edmonton? Sure have. So there's a club in Edmonton called the comic strip and I'm, I'm doing that. And there's a host and his name is, and I might butcher the last name, but his name is Matt Adeline or Adeline or Adeline, something like that. I just remember his first name was Matt. And yep. he is Edmonton's funniest. He won Edmonton's funniest person contest. He's a very nice guy. He is funny. And he is also, I find out before the first show, the world's fattest contortionist. 
Ooh, interesting. And I they have a they have a lot of street performers up there. Yes, and like a lot. Yeah, yeah. There's a circus up there, I believe. Right, a, a pretty well, big time circus. Yeah, I'm not sure, but a lot of these street performers would come to the comedy club in Edmonton and then ask you to go next door to like the whatever the Chili's is up there, whatever. And they'd ask you to uh, go hang out, and they'd tell you stories about like sword swallowing and shit. That's see what you just did is exactly what I expected. I expect, I'm like, the world's fattest contortionist, get the fuck out of here. This is going to be the best week of my life. Stories, tricks, let's do it. He gets up on stage. He doesn't do a single contortion trick in his whole MC set, which is ludicrous. Because you How are- How fat was he? Over 400 pounds. I mean, just getting up there is pretty contortion-y <laughs> at 400 pounds. Listen to me. You are- you are Edmonton's funniest comic, but you are the world's fattest contortionist. I see what you're doing, and I, I, okay. And I don't mind if it's 13 minutes of comedy, but in those last two minutes, shove yourself in a fucking garbage can, man. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. But even though he didn't do it, I still like him a lot. At this point- Hold on, one, one sec. Have you ever filled up a trash bag too much in a garbage can? And then when you try to pull it out, it sticks to all the sides and you end up ripping the strings. Yeah. You can't do, at 400, you cannot get into a round trash can. You have to get into something square so there's a little air in the corners. Yeah, so you don't have to have your mom heave you out of it. Oh, my God. The, but I still like him at this point. I just, I'm bummed out because I, wanted, sure. I okay. wanted to see that. So this week goes on and I'm just bummed out is all. They have a Sunday show in Edmonton, and as far as I'm concerned, Sunday comedy shows shouldn't exist unless you're in Cincinnati, Ohio. Every and every single Sunday show I've ever done, I've passed a napkin around the room uh, and had people sign it to try to get Sunday shows uh, eradicated. <laughs> I, I hate them. The, hey, you know how you had all that fun on Saturday? Why don't you perform for this dad who doesn't like to take his family places on Saturday? <laughs> it's the fucking worst. So hey, maybe you should try to swear at people that have just washed away their sins at church and <laughs> just started clean. So the club in Edmonton is in a mega mall. It's like, I think it's the biggest mall in the world. A lot of crazy shit in there, like a ice skating rink, like a wave pool, gun range, stuff like that. Seals. Yes. There are seals. There are real live seals. They also have a gold's gym. And this is back when I was exercising. So before the show, I'm going to go work out and then I'm going to walk right to the show. It's all in the same mall. I finish my workout. And as I'm exiting the gold's gym, I walk by the little yoga studio with the big mirrors on the wall. And there are two guys in there without shirts on with their shorts hiked up to their penises just all the way up, like if any higher and a ball is falling out, right? And they are doing, and they are monsters of men, and they are doing the competition bodybuilding poses. So now okay. you can envision, and they're the type of, they have that bodybuilder skin, you know, like that leather. It look like, you know, when you see a teddy bear, like from the 40s or 50s, and you're like, what the fuck is that? Like somebody yeah. just sewed leather together. That's how they look as men. <laughs> and I just started. For, for the parents listening, have you ever tucked your kids in and then tucked the blanket underneath both of their feet and then all the way up their legs? That's what he's talking about with the shorts around the dick. It's the same difference. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. 
I just like to paint a picture. And so they are flexing and I just stop and I watch because it is really funny. And they catch me watching and one of them goes, what's going on, man? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. And the other, <laughs> the other guy goes, walk on, bro. Walk on, bro. And so I turned to walk away. And this is back when I was in really good shape and a whole lot cockier. And so as I walked away, I go, all right, good luck with your I definitely don't have a tiny penis contest. And I just <laughs> kept going. And you know on sci-fi shows when all of a sudden somebody morphs from room to room and you're like, how'd they get there so quick? I don't oh, yeah. know what happened, but immediately they were on both of my shoulders. <laughs> and one guy, just he just keeps poking me in the chest going, what the fuck did you just say? What the fuck did you just say? And I was like, I didn't, it was just a joke, man. He goes, say it again. Say the joke again. Say it to our faces. And I was like, I really do not want to do that. And he goes, say the fucking joke again. And I go, I, I was just trying to be funny. Uh, but I said, good luck with your, I definitely don't have a tiny penis contest. <laughs> and then he goes, not so fucking funny right now, is it? I was like, no, you know, I mean, comedy is about situation, but. <laughs> and the other guy pushes me and he goes, say you're sorry. Say you're sorry to both of our faces. And I wish I had a cool end to this story where I was like, hey, uh, yeah, I'm sorry that you both have tiny dicks. And then I ran off, you know, <laughs> but I was so fucking, I was so scared. I was like, I am sorry. I was just joking. You know, you guys shouted at me and that's how I deal with conflict. I'm just, I was, I'm, I'm sorry. And I thought they were going to let me go. And then they did the most 80s story, like movie bullshit you've ever seen in your life. One of the guy goes, now say I'm a little bitch. And I was like, wow. Yeah. And I was like, what? And he goes, say I'm a little bitch and say, may I please take my little bitch ass home? And I was like, I, is that necessary? And he's like, fucking say it. And so I did. I wow. looked at both of them and I said, I'm a little bitch. May I please take my bitch ass home? <laughs> Oh my God. I've never, by the way, I've never, I worked that week with my friend, Steve Gillespie. I've never told a soul this story in my life. You shouldn't have told anyone ever. You should, we should edit this out. Uh, we're not going to though. Hey, Bills, don't click any buttons. So um, I don't know what the most emasculated you've ever felt in your entire life is, but I this, bet you, but I bet. <laughs> just listening to this is what my answer is. Oh my God. First of all, the fact when he said, say, I'm a little bitch and you didn't go, you're a little bitch. I Chad, can't believe that. Chad, these, I, they were physically touching me on both of my shows. They were so, think of the biggest man, you know, that's a celebrity, like the rock. They look like the fucking rock and they okay. weren't, they were poking me in my chest. Haven't you ever been poked in your chest where you're like, oh, this guy's scary. It was, you I'm not naming candy bars at that point. And I didn't have an ability to run. There was no out. So I had to do it. So I walk really bummed out about myself and <laughs> who I am back to the comedy club. Before you finish the story, can I give you a way out of this situation? Okay. You lay down because guys that muscular, 
would have no way to reach you because they can't bend over. And what you've done then is you've given, they look like half inflated used car lot party guy, you know, with the like flailing flailing arm men. They look like the, when you just turn off the air and they're just half inflated, they can't get to you. And then that would be a great show for everybody around you. Here's, would you have taken, cause those guys would have beat me up if I would not have done that. I would have gotten in a fight. I don't think they would have killed me. We were in a gym. Somebody would have stopped them. But you think you would have taken that beating as a point of pride? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but my answer is yes. <laughs> but, I'm not, but I'm not in that situation because there's no way that I'm saying I'm a little bitch. Can I please take my bitch ass home? There's no chance. I mean, I have, I have two children and you put a gun to my head and I don't think I can say that. And I know a lot of people are listening like, oh, surprise, surprise, a white guy named Chad can't call himself a bitch. <laughs> it's just like uh, I, don't, I don't think it's fair and I don't think I would, uh, I would do it. I, so I go back to the club after this. So I still have to perform stand-up comedy. <laughs> the fact that you didn't open with this story is mind-blowing. I'm real bummed out about myself. I walk into the club, and there are eight people in the club. And we're about 15 minutes before the show starts. And the manager goes, hey, if there's not, I think the number was 12. If there's not 12 people here by the time the show starts, we're going to cancel it. That's our number. And I was like, awesome. And then you begin the comedian's countdown, like, fucking nobody, come on, 10, 9. I swear, we were pretty much at... It had to have been 7.59 and 59 seconds when Matt the contortionist comes rounding in the club and goes, I got five of my friends. Oh, my God. And so I had to perform an hour in front of 13 people while my brain just kept going, I'm a little bitch. I'm going to take my little (laughs) bitch ass home. And so it's not his fault. It's not Matt's fault that I disliked him for a good week or two afterwards. He was just trying to do a show. He didn't confront any bodybuilders. But man, oh, man, for a little while, he was my least favorite MC that ever existed. (laughs) I figured for sure that those... Uh, bodybuilders were going to be two of the four that came to the show. <laughs> By the way, I followed Matt's career after that because I went home and I like watched his videos online because like if you're not going to do the contortion on stage, I got to see it. He's been on like Leno, the gong show on Comedy Central. He's on Canada's Got wow. Talent. He's got, he, <laughs> dude, he holds two world records. He holds the record for the heaviest man who's ever touched his feet to his ears. Huh. And he holds the world record for the heaviest man to ever get through a hula hoop. Uh, and his wow. signature move is where he takes his legs, wraps them around his back, over his shoulders, and touches no. his cheeks, and he calls it the fruit bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we used to call the fruit bowl? What? We used to call it when you'd tuck your balls and your dick between your leg. And your bend legs, over. And then you'd bend over and wake somebody up. <laughs> and that was the first thing they saw. <laughs> Give him the fruit bowl. Well, that's why I assumed he called it the, I was like, is it because it looks like a bowl? And I think it's because he exposes his asshole and asshole sounds like apple. (laughs) When I found, when I was uh, looking at Matt's world records, I found uh, when I was screwing around before the show, and I think, here, I'll send you a picture of it. I found a record that is real upsetting. Uh, It's a fellow by the name of Henry Coffer. 
All right. And he is 77 years old. And for the past 50 years, he has been collecting the world's largest human hairball. It's 167 pounds and it's a... Of hair? Yeah. And it's a fucking bummer. And there's a picture, people who are listening, if you Google search Henry Coffer human hairball, you get a picture that I sent you, Chad, that has him. The hairball is in the back of a truck and he's got one hand on the hairball. No. Yeah. And he's wearing the sort of overalls that say, I met my wife at our grandmother's house. And (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. He definitely has yelled at a graduation. For sure. And you know whose graduation it was? The hairballs. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know how you when you start any sort of like like knitting ball, like yarn ball. Yeah. You have to wrap it around something little. Yes. He's wrapped it around the pelvic bone of his first victim. (laughs) (laughs) There's no doubt that in the middle of that goddamn hairball is some sort of DNA that someone, someone has been murdered. Where am I going to hide this skull? Well, Henry, you're a barber. There's no way in two years Hank Coffer (laughs) isn't an episode on Dan Cummins' time suck. There's no way. (laughs) Here's the best part. Like, you'd think if you spent 50 years collecting hair, there's an interesting backstory. It's like, well, when I was 12 years old, my dad was dying of baldness, and the doctor told him if, if only he had some hair, we could save his life. And so I've dedicated my life to... Collecting human hair. No, it's just the whole background is like one day, 50 years ago, a guy was like, Henry, you're a barber. You should collect this. And he was like, all right. And that's fucking it. That's the whole backstory. It's so gross. You know how they have like clothing drop-offs in parking lots where they say, hey, we donate this clothing, but then it actually just goes to their consignment shop and they sell it? Yeah. I think he's been going around collecting hair under the guise of the locks for love. And he's just like, he can never part with it. He's just like, oh, my God. And you, I bet there's pubes in there. I don't want to talk. It's so gross. <laughs> what? You, there's for sure pubes in it. Also, there's no way that his divorce proceedings don't accuse him of having an emotional <laughs> ha- affair with that hair pile, right? <laughs> You're doing great, Hank. <laughs> it's your hairball. Yeah, there's no way if you go to that guy's house, he's not on the porch with the hair in a rocking chair next to him, and he pretends to have a conversation with the three of you guys. There's no if way. You think, if you think that hair isn't all stuck together by semen, you're crazy. <laughs> it absolutely is. He brought that thing to a jack shack day one, <laughs> and he has not stopped. I feel so. Here's the thing I feel like. We went pretty hard on Henry Coffer here. Let's shift in back into self-deprecating. I want to pull one of my favorite stories out of the bag and make you tell it. Okay. Lacrosse. The lacrosse oh, breakfast burritos. The breakfast burrito? Okay. So this is kind of a long one. How much what time are we at? We can if it's long, we can close with it. Okay. So I was doing a show in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and it was Dollar Yagbomb Nights. When was this? How long ago? This, oh man, this was... Uh, like a hundred years. This was one, two, three, four. This was five cars ago. That's all I know. <laughs> That's, so I'm saying probably 
12 years. Okay. Probably. Okay. So I'm in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and it's at a bar. And it's dollar old money, old now. money bag Daniels with a new car every two point three years and a lake house. Keep going. Well, I, no, no, no. I just drive them into the ground, or I used to, anyways. So uh, I ended up um, they sending me yag bombs. All these kids, because it's a college town, and it was just about uh, time for college to start. So all the kids were back, and they were sending me these yag bombs. And I go, I'm not going to do them now, but. If you just like keep a tally of who gets me one, I'll do them afterwards. That is a like, dangerous decision. What a horrible idea. Yeah. So I get done with the set and why well, space you, them out? Yeah. If you remember the the little plastic glasses that have the built-in shot glass. Yes. So then they pour the the Red Bull around it. Yep. They were lined up at the bar. It was like Arlington Cemetery of Yag Bombs. <laughs> I couldn't even see the end. And so I just like, all right, whatever. And I do them. I do the, I go down the line and I do them. Cut to, I'm not feeling great. There's a band that starts to like set up after the comedy show. Okay. That's the last thing I remember. <laughs> I, so I wake up the next morning and for starters, um, okay, I'm just going to tell the story and then I'll, I'll work backwards. Okay. I wake up the next morning, I have rocks and a bunch of broken plastic in my pocket. I don't know how I got home and I have a bruise. My entire thigh is bruised. So I don't know what's going on. I called the other comedian. I go, hey, man, did you bring me home last night? And he goes, no, I took off. You said you were staying. Um, and I go, well, there's like cuts on my hand and uh, I have a big bruise. Do you know anything about that? And he goes, oh, yeah, you ended up going and playing some uh, side instruments with the band. <laughs> like he, he goes, you played the I think it's called the kibasa or whatever. But you it's basically got a bunch of beads on it. And I was hammering my thigh to make it louder. And I was also playing a tambourine, which cut my hand to shreds. The little, like, the little symbols on the tambourine cut my hands to shreds. So then I go, I don't know about these rocks or whatever. And so I end up having him bring me to the, the bar because my car is there. I don't know how I got. I called the bar, find out my car is there. I have my keys. So I go down there and I want to make sure I paid my tab because I, like I said, I don't remember leaving. So I go in, um, my tab is covered, everything's fine. And they have one of those, uh, one of those breathalyzer machines. Like the ones that hang on the wall? Yeah. The ones that it's kind of like a freestanding. Okay. Gotcha. And then you, you pull the straw out of the side or whatever and you blow into it, blah, blah, blah. So I blow into this thing, 0.18 blood alcohol level. Woof duh. But I've never, I've never thought these things were right. I just wanted to see what it said. Yeah. So I assume they were always way high. And so I'm taken off or whatever. And I'm like jingling my keys around my finger. And there's a, there's this bar also has breakfast burritos in the morning. Okay. And so there's a table of four cops and one of them goes, Hey man, where are you going? And I go, oh, I just got to take off. I got to work tonight. And he goes, are you using those keys? I go, yeah, I'm just driving a couple cities over. And he goes, well, no, you're not 0.18. And I go, oh, that's not, that can't possibly be right. And he goes, blow into mine. 
So I blow <laughs> so I blow into his 0.18. So they are correct. Also, those machines are very accurate. Not a great moment to be blowing a 0.18 at a police officer's breakfast table. Yeah, no kidding. So then he goes, hey, man, tell me about uh, why are you here? Why'd you come in? And I go, oh, I was the comedian last night. There was a band. I guess I hung out and played with them, got a little drunk, you know, whatever. So we're eating the breakfast burritos and this guy's shoulder walkie talkie goes off. And he goes, uh, all of a sudden it goes, hey, you guys got a sec? And he goes, yeah, we're just having breakfast burritos. Go for it. And he goes, oh, my God, you're not going to believe what happened to me last night. So it's another cop. <laughs> and he goes, I was just like driving on patrol. And I drove by the uh, junkyard. And there was a figure standing outside of a car <laughs> in the junkyard. And so I didn't think much of it. So I drive around. 20 minutes later, I drive back, same dude standing outside of the car. So finally, I approach him and I go, excuse me, sir, can I help you? And he mumbles, I can't find my hotel. I was thinking about sleeping in this car. <laughs> so the, all the cops are laughing at this point. And they go, so then the guy at the table goes, what'd you do? And he goes, well... Uh, I found, I looked at his key card and I, uh, I pointed him to the hotel. It was just a block away. He's like, all right. So, so I thought he went back to the hotel, but an hour later I'm still out patrolling and I see somebody just shuffling along. And as soon as I put my spotlight on him, he darts into an alley. And so, so, uh, I go back into the alley and he's like stomping on something and I didn't know what it was. And so I approach him. It's the same guy from the junkyard and he's trying to break the CD of the band that played after him at the show <laughs> because he didn't want any evidence of where he had been. So I tell him, pick up all your trash and I was in a gravel alleyway. So that's where the rocks and the plastic came from. I had no idea. And they go, uh, after the show, uh, what do you mean? He goes, well, then I brought him to his hotel, had to walk him up to the room and basically put him to bed. And he goes, ended up finding out he was the comedian at the bar last night. And he, he goes, do you guys believe that? And the guy goes... Uh, sure do. He's sitting at our breakfast burrito table eating with us because he just blew a point one eight. Oh my God, what a nightmare of a story. You know why I love that story so much? And I, so early, early on, like shortly after we had just met, my first ever week performing stand-up comedy, like professionally at Acme, they did this thing where a couple people who were being considered to be MCs got to do like short sets and you were hosting the whole week and they yeah. dubbed it something lame, like stories from the road. So you basically had to go up and tell stories from being out on the road. And you told that story before I went on stage. And I don't know that I ever told you this, but you left stage and you'd also been talking about your kids that night. And uh, you left stage and I walked out on stage and a guy in the front row said to his wife, that guy's a fucking dad. Ugh. 
I sure am. Um, yeah, he definitely would have been at a Sunday show if Acme had them. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of guy that goes to a Sunday show. Hey, I'm going to keep it in Wisconsin for one more story. This one just okay. reminded me of this other one. So gotcha. I was performing in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and I was opening for a guy named Derek Richards, who was like so nice, brought me on the road with him. Such a cool dude. Yes. And uh, they were in like the uh, the bar of a hotel. Okay. And so they there's a Packer preseason game on and they turn it off. For comedy? For comedy. And people were furious. Well, yeah. Right. And it was packed in there, but people are so mad. And I'm the first one that has to go up. I have to go up without an intro, without anything. Ooh. So I go up to explain there's going to be comedy. People are pissed. I don't, I barely get a laugh like 20 minutes for my 20 minute set. And so I go, hey, you guys, I don't know if they advertise this, but I was, uh, my closer was rated Time Magazine's uh, top five closers in America. And so I know you haven't really been into the first part of my show, but obviously I'm just here for my closer. So um, are you guys excited uh, about the closer? And nobody was. And I go, well, the only thing I need for the closer is I need two rolling rocks and I need two shots of Jack Daniels. And then we can get this started. I go, who's going to bring him up? Who's going to bring him up? I'm like, you know, trying to get everybody excited. No one really is. But this lumberjack dude at the bar was like, I'll do it if it gets you off stage. <laughs> so like everyone's laughing. And now we're, now we're kind of having fun. I go, this is going to be the fastest way to get me off stage. Ba -da -ba -da -ba. Like all that shit. And uh, he finally brings up in one hand, in one <laughs> gigantic hand brings up two rolling rocks and two shots and there was still room for like other shit like a buffet i mean he had a gigantic <laughs> hand just like so, there's just a baby there and yeah he could have just taken me off stage i don't know why he didn't <laughs> but he he puts these drinks up there and i go who is excited to see one of the top five closers in america and people are like i don't know i guess and i was like come on who is excited to see one of the top five closers from Time Magazine? And people start cheering. I do both the shots of Jack, raise the two bottles of Rolling Rock, and I go, peace out, bitches. And I ran to my room as fast as I could. Like two bodybuilders were chasing me. And I just stayed in my room the whole night. It was so much fun. Yeah. This was a, a stand-up heavy episode. Got it a was, nice, yeah, they're, they're nice not always going to be like this. But, stories uh, from the road. Well, you know, you get walking down a path, you know, you start true. with the queen, you land on fat contortionists, and before you know it, you're stuck in Wisconsin. By the way, I need to tell you something. Yeah. I would love to land on a fat contortionist. <laughs> that would be my make-a-wish. <laughs> it would. Could you imagine their eyes like, all right, Chad, what do you, you get one wish. I would like you to throw me off of a two-story hotel in Calgary <laughs> and I land on a fat contortionist. Then, as, he, as I land on him, he obviously folds due to the pressure and I put him in my suitcase and we fly home. <laughs> well, um, do you want to, is there anything you want to say to me before the show ends? I don't think so. I got to go, though. Well... I'm a little bitch, and I'm going to take my bitch ass home. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, if you guys like this, uh, there will be a new episode next Monday and every single Monday at 8 a.m. So click the subscribe button so your phone sends it to you without having to do any work.